Charmed. And welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life with me, Serena Shahidi. Hello. How is everyone? How are you doing? I'm annoyed. I'll share that. I'll share that with the class. Don't mind if I do. I'm so annoyed. By the way, I'm sorry if there's anything wrong with the sound quality. If there's some white noise in the background or whatever it may be, I don't know what to say to you. I have nothing to say because I've been having issues with this microphone all day and trying to figure them out, trying to Google things, ending up on reddit.com, adjusting settings, just trying all sorts of things. Because there is there is sort of a technical aspect to podcasting where you have to you have to sort of use technology. And that's the part where I'm out. That's just something I don't try to participate in at all. I plug my microphone in. I hope for the best. I leave it up to God. But then I had just so many issues today. Well, God had so many issues with me, I suppose. I must have been out there sinning. I bet I was. I've been a bad girl. And it made me realize, and I'm really giving into gender stereotypes here, it made me realize why so many men have a podcast. Not that men are are smarter than women, because I don't think knowing technology makes you smart at all. I think it means you have too much time on your hands. But really, only men would care about some stupid shit like, oh, adjust this setting and put in this many HZs. Ugh, horrid. I've had a horrid experience with technology today. You know what bothers me about technology is that it doesn't work. It doesn't. We have AI can make a picture of you where all of a sudden you have breasts, that technology is out there. But even the quote-unquote basic technology that everybody uses, it just, it doesn't work so much of the time. We have artificial intelligence, but if I open three tabs on a MacBook, I get radiation poisoning. What's up with that? What's the deal with technology? I'm over it. I'm going to move to a log cabin and wear cable knit sweaters and sprout bean sprouts. That just sounds like my parents. I guess I'll just, that's my solution. I'll move back in with my parents. Anyway, happy December. I hope you're feeling festive. No matter what you celebrate, I hope you're feeling festive for it. Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, a holiday you made up perhaps. Sometimes you got it. If you celebrate another religion and they don't have a holiday this time of year, make something up. You're expected to celebrate anyway. Might as well have some fun with it. You can make up anything you want. You know, you can have a holiday where maybe you go to a buffet. That would be fun. Or do buffets exist? Oh my God. Do buffets exist anymore in our post-COVID world? In post-COVID America? I don't know. Anyway. Happy December. I'm actually going to light a seasonal candle right now. And you know, you already know it's from TJ Maxx. Please. Ooh, I just burned myself. Don't even act otherwise. This is, okay, this is pumpkin chai scented. Love chai. Love, you know what's underrated is cardamom. Cardamom is criminally underrated. I'm not even a coffee person, but... When I'm at my parents' house and they have like, 
you know, they're old school coffee grounds and coffee filters. If you can even believe in the year 2022, you you put the coffee grounds in there and you put some cardamom in there. And it's so good. Anyway, this pumpkin chai, vegan soy wax blend poured in California. See, that's how they get you, by the way. Poured in California, please. Where, where'd all that other shit happen to make this candle? Where is that vegan soy and wax blended, I'd like to know? Where'd you make the jar for it? Hmm. That's what all the luxury brands do. They go handmade in Italy. Girl, you sewed one of those buttons on in Italy. What kind of fool do you take me for? Um, I'm feeling festive. As I've said on this podcast before, this is my year of, of feeling festive. Have I bought anyone's Christmas present yet or Hanukkah present? No. But I feel it. I feel it. And that's what matters. I watched a Hallmark movie last night, actually, which I always find fun. And I can't stand those people who go, oh, it's so cheesy. Yeah, that's the point. It's a movie made on a budget of $327. I mean, the audio mixing, they're like cutting together words letter by letter because the actors did not say that shit. And you can tell their lips are moving in an entirely different direction than the dialogue. And that's the fun part. Honestly, the people who unironically, like genuinely enjoy Hallmark movies, like think they're good movies, I find those people so much more interesting than the people who go, oh, it's so corny. They do the same thing all the time. Uh, you're, you're literally being Captain Obvious right now. You know who you're being is the famous character of Captain Obvious, and that's who you are in this moment. Of course it is. That's the fun. It's garbage. I love garbage. So I watched this Hallmark movie last night. Okay, here's my summary. I believe it was called A Wedding for Christmas or something like that. This girl played by the girl who played Imogen in Degrassi with the glasses, with the glasses and the kind of funky hair. She looks entirely different now. By the way, she has she has some an an interesting choice of lip filler. And by the way, you know beauty standards are out of control when even the women in Hallmark movies are getting lip filler. This movie has a budget that couldn't buy a steak dinner for five, and the female lead still needs to look like an Instagram model. What kind of world are we living in? Meanwhile, the man was plucked off the street, God knows. Actually, the man in this was, like, kind of handsome. Anyway, this girl with, with the lip filler comes home for her sister's wedding. So she thinks, her sister's like, let's have it in Fiji. We're having it in Fiji. But then it turns out it's her fiancé who wants to have it. I think it was in Fiji. Who even knows? And she's like, you know what? I actually want to have it. I didn't bother telling you this. Because you just threw out, oh, let's let's get married in Fiji. And I guess I just said, yeah, whatever. She says at the last minute, oh, I want to I wanna have it at my grandfather's old Christmas tree farm. Christmas tree farm by Taylor Swift, anyone? So the main character has come into town from her big city wedding planning job. So she's like, okay, let me plan this last minute wedding for my sister. And she goes up to the Christmas tree farm, which is now owned by her childhood friend, 
her childhood friend, classic plot, and she, I mean, I'm allowed to use this word because I'm famously a woman. She is such a bitch. She is such a bitch. She talks to her her old childhood friend and she's like, oh, you never left this town? Hmm. I'm a wedding planner in a big city. Sorry. Sorry about it. I see you're here. Planting trees. Mm. And he's like, oh, I actually did leave. I went to law school and then I was at this firm in San Francisco. And she goes, oh, you left a job in San Francisco to come here? As if like that, as if leaving San Francisco is a criminal act. It's San Francisco. You know, it has a, a great history and it does have great culture there and some great people. If he's working at a law firm in San Francisco, I can't imagine he's, you know, having the best company or the best lifestyle. All those tech bros he's probably around all the time. God forbid. I don't blame him. I'd buy a Christmas tree farm too. But she goes, oh, you gave that up? Um, you're poor. Anyway, can I throw an event here? And then they end up falling in love. I don't know how. I stop paying attention at some point, but that's what I remember. Also, she's wearing the most aggressive strip lash of all time for the entire movie, for every single scene. And it's not even, it's not even like a strip lash that you could find at Walgreens. It's like, maybe you could find that on Amazon.com. It's one of those, I feel like you know what I'm talking about when it's so, it's just so dense. It's like plasticky. She's wearing that the entire time. I don't know at what point Hallmark movies started casting girls who looked like Instagram models, but I'm not for it. Also, did you know Hallmark has a few Hanukkah movies out? They have, and by like a few, I don't mean a handful. I do mean, I'm pretty sure two. Because last year, I watched what I believe is both of them. I think I watched one alone and one with a friend of mine who's Jewish. They're so wild. And it's not, I don't want to claim that they're crazy offensive. It's just like, oh, this very much comes from like a Christmas channel. Both of the movies had a plot that was like, I'm not Jewish, but I have to learn all about Hanukkah, which... I'm also not Jewish, but I'm pretty sure that's not the biggest task in the world. I don't think it's the most complex holiday in Judaism by far. One of them, a girl, (laughs) she finds out that she's half Jewish, like she takes a DNA test, and then she's like, damn, but I love Christmas. That was Judaism to her, is they don't celebrate Christmas, and that's that. And I love Christmas. That one ended, I think that was the one, it had the guy from, from Boy Meets World. And it ended with her being like, okay, let me show you what Christmas is like. It ends with them celebrating Christmas. <laughs> it's a Hanukkah movie. And of course, Hallmark had to end it with them celebrating Christmas. I mean, I feel like that's offensive. No, that's offensive. And also, you know a movie was written by Christians when there are Jewish characters being like, Hanukkah, it's the most magical time of the year. That's how Christmas markets itself. Also corny either way. Anyway, off of my little uh, Hallmark movie watching update, this is... 
we have a theme for this episode. I haven't had one of those in a while. I haven't had, you know, really any any guidance from myself for a bit. This is an advice episode. I'm going to be giving you guys advice. I'm going to be telling you how to fix your lives. It's coming from me. That's right. And if you're a long time, let me ruin your life listener, you know that I used to like primarily do this. I mean, that was the original reason for the name of the podcast is like, okay, I'm going to give you advice and it's going to ruin your life. But I kind of stopped doing them because it started to feel, I don't know, it started to feel like I was venturing away from the comedic aspect. It started to feel just too sincere because a lot of the time I do have many things to say about a topic, but then I'm like, is this just me like genuinely giving advice for an hour? Who am I, Dr. Phil? So I'll just start off right away. A disclaimer. This is a silly podcast. This is a podcast where I have fun and I get silly and I'm so goofy. I'm just a girl who's so goofy. That's just kind of who I am. You know, sometimes sometimes I meet a guy and then he thinks I'm normal. And then all of a sudden I get really goofy. Um, Yeah. Also, I'm not an expert on anything. I'm 23 years old, and I often make terrible decisions. So if you learn anything from this, not my fault. Anyway, let's get into it. I asked you guys to give me questions on on the Let Me Ruin Your Life Instagram. By the way, follow at Let Me Ruin Your Life pod. I promise I'll be better with (laughs) posting when an episode actually comes out. And I got Some very interesting ones. Okay, here's the first one. Let's talk about education. Education connection. Uh, Someone wants a discussion about feeling confident not taking the quote-unquote traditional four-year education plan, going to school for what you like versus what makes money, taking education breaks, going to school with kids whose upbringings were very different, etc., etc. Okay. I love this. Let's talk about this. Let's break this down one by one. First of all, should you study what you like or should you study what makes money? Let me take a sip of water. Uh, You should study what makes money. (laughs) You, yeah, I think you should study what makes money. Let me... Let me defend my position because I'm not one to tell you to give up on your dreams. I mean, I guess it depends on what your dreams are and who you are, because maybe sometimes it's appropriate to tell people to give up on their dreams. Like if they're, you know, auditioning for American Idol and you're the judge or something like that, I think that's fine. But here's my defense. Okay, I don't necessarily believe that you should just study whatever makes money and not what you're passionate about. But I think you should kind of study whatever's going to be more useful. So let me give you an example. Okay, if you're, if you're an artist, if you want to study art, but you're also kind of like, mm, should I study business? That's more practical. That's what my dad wants for me. I mean, it might be a good idea. It really might. Because you can do fine art stuff with a business degree. It'll help. But can you do business stuff with a fine arts degree, that's probably a lot more difficult. If you have a fine arts degree and then you change your mind about exactly what you want to do, it's probably going to be a lot harder to to do something else. 
And also, I feel like most people, I mean, obviously assume that it's going to be more fun to study what they're passionate about. And there's a good chance it might be, but not always. I studied fashion design and fashion business. And fashion design was fun. Don't get me wrong. I had some good times. I could be creative. I could do a lot of fun stuff. It was also a lot of work and it could be very frustrating. And it could be very, you know, it's not necessarily just like, I'm expressing myself. I get to express myself. Like you're you're being evaluated. So it's not going to be the same as what you might do in your own time. Fashion business, a lot easier, a lot easier, like too easy, I would say, because FIT had three hour classes. So to spend three hours of my life being like, okay, I've used the four Excel shortcuts we've learned. What now? But it could be enjoyable because you know what? Excel is not that bad. It really is not that bad. It can even be fun at times. You know what's not fun? Threading a goddamn serger. You ever threaded a serger? You'll stop being passionate about design real quick. That'll have you in the sewing lab making a plan. And you know exactly what kind of plan I'm talking about. So I would say go for what's useful. Go for what's broader, and then you can get the opportunity to change your mind later. Because you might think you know what you want to do at 18, but you probably don't. Because you probably don't even know what the job really consists of. You have to try different things, do some internships, and then figure it out. Anyway, education breaks. Been there. Been there. I am taking a few classes. (laughs) Going back to FIT this next semester in the spring. And I'm, I'm excited, I guess. I still don't really know why I reapplied, but now it's kind of too late. Or it's not too late, but I guess I can start. And then if it's really that bad or if I don't have time for it, because I don't know what kind of, you know, things I have coming up. Who knows in this life? I can always drop out again. I've done it once. Uh, also, when I was in school at the Fashion Institute of Technology, there were a lot of people who had taken education breaks. Like there were plenty of people in my class who were, you know, mid-20s, 30s, 40s, some of whom had had just completely different careers, successful ones, and then decided that they wanted to go to fashion school. So I'm glad that that was a normal thing there because I think it should be a normal thing everywhere. There's nothing to be ashamed of whether it was, you know, you're taking a gap year or you dropped out and you're going back or you did one thing and now you're going back to school. Whatever it was, it's fine. It's fine. There's no reason to be ashamed. I think if anything, not that these people should be ashamed, but I think if we're speaking logically, it makes more sense. If they were a little bit embarrassed, the people who you know, just have the traditional path, get out of high school, do four years at college, start working as whatever kind of analyst, and then climb their way up the corporate ladder. Do you want to be one of those people? And that's a fine way to live, but it does just come from the norms, whatever we're told to do. No one who has a completely linear path ends up really anywhere good. And I'm generalizing, but still, I have 
a, a wall of sticky notes next to my desk where I'm sitting right now. And honestly, the most earnest thing about me, and there are not a lot of terribly earnest things about me, but I have like completely unironic quotes just staring me in the face there. I have some, I have some good ones. What are they? Art is getting away with it. You cannot find peace by avoiding life. I should probably read that to myself more often. But one of them says, if the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's. And you know what? You know what? Yeah. You shouldn't have a completely clear path of where you want to go. That's why I don't trust anyone with a five-year plan. Or at least anyone with a five-year plan who, who really believes that that's how life works. You can plan your little heart out. You can plan all day and all night, but that's just not how it works. And that's not how it should work because all the best things in life are unexpected. Most of the things you actually look forward to, you get them and you're like, this sucks. And I've dated quite a few men. This probably says more about me than it does about them, but still, I've dated quite a few guys who are so unhappy with what they do. They're usually doctors and lawyers, by the way. If anyone's wondering, not to dissuade you from those paths, but I think it's a valuable piece of information. They are usually doctors or lawyers, and they're always like, oh, why am I not happy with this? Like, maybe it's my coworkers. I just need to get this next raise. I just need to get this next bonus. I have to get this client wined and dined, whatever it is. And what I always end up finding out is that guess who else was a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it was? Their dad, their mom their aunt, their uncle, whoever. It's always just they did what they were expected to do. And that's fine. But if that's not what you're doing, there's no reason to be ashamed of yourself. Those people aren't necessarily happy just because someone went to school and got their degree in four years and started working. That doesn't mean anything. Anyway, going to school with kids with different backgrounds. I mean, when I moved to New York, It was the first time that I had met rich people, like real rich people, because I knew some like upper middle class people in North Carolina. I did live in a town where there were quite a few. My family was very middle class, but, you know, I knew people who were like, oh, biggest, biggest house in the suburbs. So that was rich to me. Cut to moving to New York. I'm meeting heiresses. I'm meeting heiresses all of a sudden. And it was definitely a culture shock a little bit. I mean, obviously not everyone was like that, but a lot were. And that was weird. You can still connect to people who had different backgrounds than you. I would say, first and foremost, be honest about your background. Don't pretend to be from anywhere that you're not or have experiences that you haven't had. Just tell them, you know, I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't grow up with money. Maybe I did grow up with money. Whatever it is, you don't have to relate to people on everything. You really don't. You can talk about how how different you are. Be curious. So much of the time, you know what I get a lot, whether it comes to uh, like the men I date or certain friends I have, is people go, what do you guys even talk about? Which is always such a, a preposterous question to me because it's like, if I have, let's say I have nothing in common with someone, which is rarely going to be the case. If I have nothing at all in common with someone, we have everything in the world to talk about. We have everything to talk about because we don't know what it's like to be each other. 
so we can ask questions, we can learn new things. That's what we talk about is our differences. If I'm talking to a guy who's really into into football, I'm not going to try to be like, oh, yeah, that touchdown. Loved that. I loved it when they got that ball into that net. Weren't you living for that? I love when they run around. Isn't that fun? I don't try to do that. I go, so why do you like football? What's that about? Do you... Do you watch it with your friends? Do you watch it at home? Do you watch it at a bar? Do you yell at the screen? I'm dying to know. And then I can tell them about like, I don't know, search party on HBO Max. Curiosity, that's the key. You can make friends with people and you can relate to them and learn with them without having everything in common. You'll find things to relate to, even if it's just like, oh, our our brains kind of work in the same way. Even if you have nothing in common on paper, maybe you have similar senses of humor. You'll find something. Make some friends out there. Anyway, next question. Very relevant question for me, I think. Someone asks, your philosophy on, quote-unquote, getting your sparkle back. Oof, great question. And I don't know if you're asking for my literal philosophy, like what I would put uh, on, on paper with Quill. Or just my advice, I'm assuming the latter. But my philosophy is that sparkle is real. That sparkle is real. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've definitely, I've dealt with this recently, just being, you know, being depressed for quite a while. Being depressed. And I think one of the worst parts of that is losing sort of that, that Jenny say qua. You know, when Jenny says qua, you kind of lose that. And I felt like I lost, like, my charm, my sense of humor, like, just that, that quick wit. I think I used to be a lot faster and wittier. Even my style, I started wearing low block heels. I'm, like, relearning how to, how to walk in five-inch heels. It's, it's been tragic all around, and it's been something I almost had to, like, mourn. I guess. But that's what, I mean, that's what my like therapist refers to it as. And it was really hard for me because I, well, I'm a very black and white person. Very, like a switch is always flipping in me. And I very much feel like, okay, I'm either myself or I'm not. And I don't like to make progress as a person. I don't like to progress as an individual because it involves these baby steps. Like that's how you do things. That That's how you get better. That's how you get your sparkle back. And I don't like to do that shit. I want a switch to flip. I am very impatient and I'm very black and white and I want everything to change overnight. I don't want to put habits in place or whatever bullshit my therapist wants me to do. And I love him. I love him. But I don't love that. And that's why I make no progress as a person. But what I will say and what's helped for me that I'm sort of getting in touch with recently is starting with the things you can control that are like stupid and easy and stupid easy. Don't start by trying to change your entire personality or life or philosophy. Think about, and you know what? Write it down. Write it down in a, in a notebook. I like the ones from Muji. Figure out, okay, when 
in the in the situation or in the times in your life where you felt the most like you, you felt that little sparkle, you felt yourself shimmering a bit. What's the the stupid stuff that's going on at the time? What is that stupid stuff that's a part of it? Like when you feel most like yourself, what are you wearing in that situation? When you picture your old little sparkly self, what's the getup that she has on? Ask yourself that. What's she doing, you know, with her time, like her free time, really? What's she reading? What's she watching? Is she she calling her friends all the time? Is there a specific thing she's doing every morning or something like that? Like silly things and fun things in particular. Do note, this is fun things. This isn't DBT worksheets, which are great. Not putting those down. But this is fun stuff because I think one of the keys you really have to luxuriate sometimes. Don't put pressure on yourself. This isn't something that you can achieve by putting pressure on yourself or shame your way into. This isn't like you're procrastinating and you have a deadline. Honestly, the less quote unquote productive it is, the more it'll help. Drink a cocktail in the bath. Put on a cowboy hat. Do a cartwheel. Wear platforms. That'll help. Just do more stuff, honestly. And like specifically, whatever you're tempted to do, I guess. Not in a way like, you know, do heroin. But don't just be like, oh, I should get out of the house today. Let me sign up for a Pilates class. Unless that's your thing. If that's your thing, work. Not mine. Buy a coloring book. Sing a song. And whatever your like your sparkle or your identity looks like to you, drop the expectations and have fun. Drop the like filter. I think that's really the key because I, like I said, I really feel like I struggled and I've been struggling to get my wit back after completely downward spiraling for a year and a half. And I struggle to sort of get back creatively. Like it's been, it's been hard to record podcasts for sure because I just feel very blank a lot of the time. But what I've been realizing and been trying to implement is that I'm funnier and more interesting without expectations of myself. Because when I really think of me, when I felt like I was at my funniest and at my most creatively stimulated, I wasn't saying everything perfectly. Like I, I was doing a bunch of stuff. Not all of it was good. Most of it was not. But that was the key. It's not like I, I had a, a strong and healthy and calcium-filled funny bone that I proceeded to have removed. Like I'm the same person. It's just I, I, was, I was looser then. I was just sort of saying and doing more in life generally. And of course, a lot of that was going to be stuff that I was proud of. That doesn't mean that everything I did was something I was proud of. I was just doing more. And that's the key. You can't hold yourself back thinking that every everything you do has to be incredible. Just do shit. And some of it will be good. And some of it will be dog shit. And you know what? Next question. This one is real as hell. Somebody wants to know some low effort depression meal ideas slash tips slash tricks. I mean... So, so relatable to my life right now. I've talked about this before. 
uh, my appetite has been decimated recently. I mean, just absolutely bulldozed. And normally if I'm sort of going through a hard time, I get very into bread and pasta. But lately, I think I'm in fight or flight or something because I just, I can't eat. And so my first piece of advice, I've talked about it before. I am a big fan of Insure, which if you're not familiar with it, if you're not like a you know, if you have all of your teeth, you might not know what this is, but it's sort of like Soylent, but less less trendy, less tech bro-y. It's a nutritional, a nutritionalicious drink that has, it has calories, it has protein, it has vitamins and minerals. And what I do, I take it out, I keep a few in the fridge, I take it out, I wait 10 minutes, because I have, I have sensitive teeth and I want to chug it. And then I just chug it when I really, like, really don't want to eat. And that has been a great solution for me. Honestly, just keep a few around. You can find them on Amazon. A 24-pack is $45. You just keep them around those days where you, like, have nothing in the fridge and you don't want to make anything and have to get creative, but you also don't want to leave your apartment have some insure lying around. And for those of you who are going to say, because my friends and my family have been telling me recently, they go, why are you drinking that? You need to eat real food. Go to hell. Go to hell. You think I'm drinking this because I'm just obsessed? Just because I'm over chewing because I don't have enough time to chew? If I could eat real food, I would eat real food. You know what it is? They want me to starve. They want me dead. That's what they're saying. They're not even saying eat real food. They're saying die. Die. I want you dead. That is exactly what they're saying just to translate. If I can't eat real food, I eat real food. If I can't, I chug an insure. Lock me up. Lock me up and throw away the key. I don't know what you want me to do. But that's... You know, when we're talking depression meal territory, and that's, granted, that's deep in depression meal territory, you got to lower your standards. Because a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, you're, if you would just eat healthy, if you would just get this green in and flaxseed helps so much and this and that, mm, maybe that's true. I'm sure that stuff does help. But is it going to happen for you? Probably not. Be honest with yourself. Probably not. You're not going to go raw vegan overnight. So just lower those nutritional standards. Honestly, calories, number one priority. Just don't starve. How about that? Just don't starve. Calories and probably like some vitamin C so you don't get scurvy. By the way, I convinced myself like a week ago that I was 100% going to get scurvy. And I realized that I wasn't going to, but how funny would it be if I really did? If in 2022, with all the... All the things that have a vitamin C content that's like 2,000% of your daily needs. If a bitch got scurvy, I would write a book about that. That would be hilarious. Uh, So I think it's very important to eat fat. I know like your mother may have told you to be scared of it because of whatever they were putting on television in the 90s. But fat is good for you. It has a lot of calories. If you're like making stuff with oil, use a little more. Peanut butter is great. Peanut butter sandwich, classic, classic depression meal. A beautiful thing. 
pasta is an easy one. And you can kind of eat that. Like even if you don't really have an appetite, you can choke down some pasta. For protein, I'm going to say something bold. I am a big fan of canned sardines. And for everyone saying, ew, you're lying to yourself. You're not above eating fish from a can. Not at all. You're lying to yourself. Unless you're talking about sardines that are the ones that are in water, that's nasty. But the ones that are in extra virgin olive oil, please. You're not above that. There's a line (laughs) from Curb Your Enthusiasm that I, I was watching it like two weeks ago. And this line has been rattling around in my brain ever since. It's uh, Leon is like walking past Larry. They're at home. And it's just this throwaway line where Leon goes, do anchovies only go on pizza or can you eat them loose? And they like, it's such a throwaway line. Like they don't even acknowledge it. I had to pause to laugh, 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 laugh. It was so funny. Um, Anyway, what else have I done? In my depression meal experiences, oh, I'll tell you, at one point, I convinced myself that this was the key to life. And I think in a way I was kind of right. I thought I had like hacked life. I thought I had discovered the ultimate life hack. I was like, these bitches have no idea what I know that they don't. And here's here's what it was. Here's the conclusion that I came to. I discovered that if you're near a place, okay, that sells like massive burritos, like size of your head burritos, they're fully 2,000 calories. If you just cut it in half and eat half for lunch and half for dinner, that's a day. I mean, that's a day. And I I haven't stuck to that uh, meal plan, I guess you could say, but I don't think I was necessarily on the wrong track there. I think I think that could really help someone out, someone out there. Uh, what else? Like eat a salad sometimes so you can get some some vitamins and stuff in. I think just like eat eat like a, a nutritionally deliciously dense salad now and then. I don't believe in that nonsense of like sneak in that healthy stuff. What's it going to do if I put four spinach leaves on a sandwich? Is that going to be life and death for me? And with the size of these spinach bags, you think I'm going to use it up before they expire in 36 hours by sneaking them in? Impossible. Impossible. So have some kale now and then. And honestly, if it's between whatever depressing thing you're about to eat and like starving, just eat it. Have three handfuls of Cheez-Its for dinner. It beats the alternative. That's that on that. Someone wants to know, oof, I bet they know. I bet they know that I, I have so many opinions about this. Somebody wants to know my insights on the modern dating scene. Now, <clears throat> I have so much to say. And it's all negative. Um, Actually, I should say something positive. I should start it off with something positive. What's positive about the modern dating scene? Um, I think, okay, I think we have more information out there about like what unhealthy relationships look like. I think we've made progress in the way we talk about like 
major age gaps. Major. Not the people on Twitter who are like, oh my God, she's 19 and he's 21. Call the FBI. Uh, I think we've made progress when it comes to uh, complaining about men, I guess. I think that's the positive thing I have to say. I think we're more, especially we're more comfortable now, like oppressing (laughs) me when I'm a man. We're more comfortable expressing like disapproval of certain relationships or certain types of relationships, which I think is a good thing. Not necessarily like everyone should have an opinion on every celebrity relationship. But I think we've gotten to a place where we're more comfortable telling our friend, like, hey, I think that guy you're with uh, sucks as a person. Because my parents and any anyone from an older generation I know, they don't do that shit fully. I know some people, their friends are dating felons and not even tax evasion, whatever, but dangerous felons. And they aren't saying a word. They don't want to disapprove of a friend's relationship. That's bizarre. But anyway, let's get to the complaints. I think the main thing, okay, the main complaint I have about modern dating, um, I think dating apps have taken a lot of the fun and a lot of the sort of emotion out of dating because they've made it seem like it's just a game. And then it becomes this strategy of finding a partner where you're, I don't know, kind of thinking of people as these stats instead of thinking about your actual connection and listen i'm all about stats what who isn't who can't appreciate a man who's six four with a great job that stuff matters i'm not going to deny that that stuff matters but i don't think we should be failing to consider just what it feels like to be around someone and i think a big part of that is this very, uh, this like a red flag culture of sorts where we're always, we're always talking about something of this thing is a red flag and you know, this thing, well, guess what? It's actually toxic. Do you remember West Elm Caleb, that slut? And he was a slut, no denying that, but girls would get on TikTok and they would be like, oh, this man was love bombing me. And then they would show a text that's like, hey, I think you're pretty and I like you love bombing that's not even like bombing what are you on about and there's so much talk of like these tests that you're supposed to give people these tests that they should pass on a first date and i'm judgmental too of course i judge a person but i don't think it's a good thing to ask people questions just for the sake of seeing whether or not they pass a test i think that's weird i don't think you're going to find the right person by asking your dates whether or not they're in therapy and just going with whoever is. Mm. And you know who passes tests the best? Guess who? Manipulative bitches. They figure it out. They figure out exactly what you want to know. They get in therapy to see that they are. And by the way, therapy makes bad people worse. I want to talk about this again another time because I I also want to talk about... Uh, just the idea that everybody should be in therapy, which I think is ridiculous. But also when people are like, uh, men go to therapy, therapy will make them worse because then they'll learn the shit. They'll learn exactly what they're supposed to say and what is like outwardly acceptable. They'll be the same on the inside, but they'll learn what to say. It's like male feminists. 
you think, especially when you're young, oh, that man, he's always talking about how much he believes in women's rights. That man despises women, guaranteed, signed, sealed, delivered misogyny. 100% he hates women. But guys like that, they learn the words, they learn the things to say, they learn the things that they're supposed to believe, and they hide what people think of as red flags. And then it ends up worse. So my advice, by the way, don't ignore red flags, obviously, but don't make going on a date about finding them. It's not a background check. It's a date. It doesn't make your love life better to constantly be searching for red flags. They'll come up. They will. Have any of us ever been completely blindsided in that sense? No. You know, when your friend gets heartbroken and then a week later, she's like, well... There was some stuff about that relationship that I didn't tell you. And you're like, okay, I thought that that horrific breakup came out of nowhere, but you're telling me all this terrible stuff about him that you didn't tell me because you knew that I would say break up with him. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, what else do I think? I, I feel like online dating especially makes people feel very entitled to find someone. And I'm not saying this to, to say you deserve to be alone, but there are going to be times where you're going to be alone, perhaps for very long stretches. Just because some people are popping up on your phone doesn't mean you're going to find something. Just because you see someone's face on your phone doesn't mean that they want to have sex with you. And that is fine. These pu- There's an epidemic of people going, why can't I find someone? Why can't I find someone? I'm always seeing these faces being swiped on on my phone and I'm still alone. Why can't you find someone? Whatever reason. Whatever reason. Maybe that's what the universe wants for you right now. Maybe, uh, maybe your dating app profile sucks. Maybe you're just busted right now. You can fix that. That's fine. But there are plenty of reasons. No one owes you anything just because they're on an app or whatever. Or so many people I know, they will just give up. Like specifically with online dating, they'll give up because a couple dates were bad. I mean, they're just some dudes from Hinge. The dates are going to be bad sometimes. They're probably going to be not bad most of the time, but most of the time it's not going to be worth going on a second date, I would say. That's okay. Go on the next one. And then I guess the last thing I'll say is the uh, there's always something better mentality. I think that's bizarre. And this, I would say, is for men in particular. I just think it's a silly mindset to have. It's like, you know, online dating is such an illusion where so many people don't realize that just because you're seeing a bunch of people doesn't mean that they want you. There might be millions of people on a dating app. That doesn't mean you have millions of options, and that's fine. Men think they have every option in the world, and that's laughable. I remember, oh my God, did you guys ever read Aziz Ansari's like modern love book? I read it before his scandal, by the way, which everyone dismissed at the time, that article. This is everyone's experience with the Aziz Ansari cancellation Everyone at the time was like, oh, please, this is just a bad date. This article was not that bad. And then they go back and read it. And this happened for sure to me. 
where I was like, oh, it's a gray area. And then I reread that article recently. It's bad. Like, it's bad. Anyway, he had a book about like modern dating. And I remember him saying in it, like, I sort of had to choose to settle down and stop with the there's always something better mindset. Girl, Aziz Ansari, you thought there was something better out there for you? You? I mean, men are really something, aren't they? And also, this is what I'm talking about with the like seeing people as stats thing, because, you know, there probably is something better out there for a lot of us in terms of in terms of looks or in terms of money or height or body or whatever it might be. But are you going to like that person more? Are they going to be nicer to you? Is that the upgrade? Because I've certainly upgraded in my life. You know, oh, this guy's better looking. This guy has a better job. This guy is cooler, whatever. And so much of the time, those quote-unquote upgrades, not necessarily better. Not necessarily better. So especially men, knock it off. You're annoying me. My friend showed me a picture of a girl who he was going to go out with and was like, oh, hey, I don't think she's that attractive. And I looked at her and I said, you will never do better. You will never do better. And honestly... She probably won't like you that much. (laughs) I think I'm a bad friend. Well, what are you going to do? But honestly, if you're the type who always needs something better, 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 there's probably, you're going to get worse, worse, worse. There is probably only so much worse out there for you. Um, That's that on that. Okay, two more questions. I'll try to go faster because my throat hurts. Okay, someone asks, how to make friends at college and actually be their friends, not like in a superficial way. I go to George Washington University, GWU in DC, first mistake, and can't find anyone I mesh with well. It makes me feel so isolated, even if I technically have quote unquote friends. Um, Yeah, I relate to this a lot, especially because I'm much better at making like party friends. I'm much better at making friends who will invite me to their party than friends who will invite me to their wedding. I'm just not great at like deepening friendships because I don't like to get that deep. And for that reason, I think I'm, I'm really drawn to friendships with just completely unhinged people who will just share everything with me right off the bat. And they, we don't have to have like a natural progression of things because I don't really know how to do that. Or they'll just always be the much more aggressive person who's like always texting me because, you know, I, I'm horrible at texting back. Like that's that's the friendships I sort of tend to go for. And honestly, maybe that's the solution for you. Maybe go for that. But other than that, I think the obvious things are, you know, talk to people. Find common interests. Ask them to do stuff together. But that kind of stuff can be hard to to figure out how to do perfectly. Because there are people out there who like always know exactly what to say and when to do things and what's socially appropriate. And I am not one of those people. I don't really get that. I'm not tuned in to that frequency And so what? 
What am I going to do? Have no friends? So I find my own ways. I, I mean, one of the things I think, like, just ask people to be friends. Like you're, like you're a child on the playground. Or just tell it, like, we're going to be friends. I like you. I think you're cool. I think you're funny. I'm going to start hanging out with you more. I'm going to start bothering you. You're going to get a text from me tomorrow, and I'm going to ask you to go for drinks this weekend. Just let them know. That's what I do. And in terms of not having shallow friendships, be, be honest with people. Be, that's a radical piece of advice. Be honest with people. Even about stupid shit, like don't, don't pretend to like that same indie band that they like. Tell them you listen to Paris Hilton's Stars Are Blind on a Loop. I feel like I make the most friends in my life just when I am the most shameless. When I am just willing to admit whatever is my truth out loud. You know, if someone asks me what I've been up to recently, and I'm not saying like, oh, it's been, it's, I've been so busy. It's just been a blur. I just, I can't even remember because I've been so busy. Instead, when I'm just like, oh, I haven't been doing shit. I've been, you know what? I've been playing Sudoku on my phone in bed. That's what I've been up to right there. And you can just let people know. If you need more friends, you can just let people know, like, hey, I don't have many friends. I need more friends. And some people will go, oh, that's a red flag. And those people can go to hell. Red flag culture strikes once again. We're always looking for, looking for red flags in everyone. What a weird society we live in. I mean, I guess if someone's like, oh, I've had five best friends in the past year, but we all had dramatic fallings outs. That's a red flag. But I'm not the best person at forming friendships. Please, it's not a red flag. It's a normal thing. So that's my quick little friend-making advice. Anyway, last question, although I do have a few things to say about this. Okay, someone said, Hi, Queen. Love your spell Pharaoh video. Always. I agree so hard that confidence shouldn't be that silly little bad bitch mentality. But what would you say confidence does look like? And how can we get some LOL? Question mark. Oh, well, I'll tell you right now, I will always hate the bad bitch mentality. Just that I'm going to build confidence by listening to Ariana Grande. I mean, and some people pull it off. I think some people do it well, but most of the the talk of confidence we hear in real life too, but I think especially online is just nobody is more insecure than the people who talk that way. Just the people who speak, they open their mouths to speak and what they choose to say is, I'm hot, I'm a bad bitch, there's no one better than me and I deserve the best. Do you know? Anyone like that who doesn't hate themselves, who does not actively despise themselves, I couldn't name a name. It's like, girl, I know you, and you just went back to your ex who calls himself a creative director on Raya for the 78th time and cried yourself to sleep. Who are we kidding here? You don't think you're a bad bitch. You're a bitch who's bad at not hating herself. The big thing with that mindset is it's so like, it's so ego driven. It relies on your standing with other people because you know what? 
maybe you're not the best. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not the the prettiest or the smartest or even the most likable. And who gives a fuck? And so what? You're going to be sad about that? Not being the best person, not coming out number one in this competition that does not exist that you made up in your head? Who cares if you're not the best? Diet Coke is made of nuclear waste and radioactive material, and I drink that shit up like there's no tomorrow. You don't have to be the best. And confidence is very much not, I know I'm the best. I think confidence is more, I'm not particularly invested in being better than other people. Like, okay, for example, let's use looks as an example, even though I hate that we equate like confidence in looks with confidence overall, but it's something that I don't really struggle with. So it's probably the best example. Uh, Aesthetically, I wouldn't call myself perfect. Everyone else might. (laughs) <laughs> but I I wouldn't. No, but I, I can recognize that there are parts of myself that people are going to critique or maybe like just not like. My nose is asymmetrical. My forehead is big. I'm bony. Okay. And I'm weirdly, I'm weirdly like more bony than I am skinny. Like I'm not a size zero but I rattle. You know what I mean? Anyway, I recognize that, but I don't feel the need to to change the way I look. And also, you know what? People are allowed to call me ugly and they're allowed to think that if they so please. I would politely disagree, but they can think what they want because everybody's ugly to someone and that shouldn't change your opinion of yourself. And my advice, okay, first First thing, I remember making a video on TikTok back in the day about confidence where I kind of said, I don't know if this will make sense. I said, like, you should you should think you're the best, but not as an active comparison. Like you should I guess it's more like you should be your favorite in the same way that you might think that your culture is the best culture or your best friend is the best person, whatever it is. It's not that you've tested that. It's not that you've done scientific research comparing those things, but this is your life. So of course, that's how you feel. Of course, it looks that way from where you're standing. So of course, I'm going to think I'm great. I'm biased. Not everyone has to think that way. This is my life, and I'll think what I want in my head that I own. I don't care if someone thinks I'm wrong. They're allowed to. And I would also say, be willing to acknowledge your, like, quote-unquote faults, whatever you think that people might criticize in you. Be willing to acknowledge those without necessarily self-deprecating. Like, if if you're big, don't acknowledge it with a joke about, oh, I, I wish I looked like Bella Hadid. No, say, I'm fat. And so what? And so fucking what? And especially when you grow up and you do get more confident, 
you realize that it's not, it's not like I'm perfect, I'm perfect, I'm perfect. And it's also not like imperfections, yes. Imperfections make us beautiful because perfection and imperfections don't really exist. Most things, most qualities are pretty much neutral. Like there are plenty of things about myself that I I know that I quote unquote should be ashamed of or whatever. Like I'll tell you right now, I am irresponsible. I'm late. I'm messy. I don't take good care of things. I'm not proactive. I do not plan. And is that so bad? Is that morally wrong in some sense? I mean, it can affect people sometimes. So maybe, but is that trait by itself? Evil? Am I evil for not doing my taxes until the last minute? Am I such a horrible person because I'm not dying to to do this process where nobody knows what they're goddamn doing? Am I obligated to be someone who's just having a blast with that whole practice? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think a lot of insecurity comes from like, okay, I'm supposed to feel bad if I have whatever quality. So I'm going to constantly analyze whether or not I am that way or I have that quality and I'm going to feel terrible about it. You don't have to feel shit about shit. You don't. No matter how many times you've been told that something is shameful in some way, who says you have to adopt that belief? You make the rules. You create your own philosophy. Even if you do have some sort of negative quality, why feel bad? If it's that bad, if it's like hurting other people, you can work on it. And then it's like, okay, I'm working on it. So that's my advice. Let go of that ego. And I need to compete and be the best. Don't hide what you're quote unquote supposed to feel insecure about. And no, you don't have to be insecure. I don't care if you're stupid, if you're ugly, if you're busted, if you're broke, if you don't have shit going on in your life, if you sit around all day and puff on your jewel, so what? You don't owe anyone insecurity. Anyway, that's my advice for today. I hope you had fun listening. Maybe you even learned something. Maybe your IQ just went up 20 points. It's likely. Ooh, did you hear that thunder? Fun. As always, you can find me, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at GlamDemon2004. You can follow the pod Instagram, at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod. DM for questions, comments, complaints, confessions, whatever you want. I have to go be festive, but I will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye, darling.